Hello, friends, and however you're listening to this episode of On Grace, we are grateful that you are here. Whether you're via SoundCloud or the Broadway app or iTunes, thanks for being a part of this. This episode of On Grace brought to you by The Andy Griffith Show. Didn't know I could do that, did you? I, I didn't. And Andy <laughs> Griffith himself, Wendell Van Valen, alongside me, Jason Brown, playing the role of Barney Fife and his one bullet ready to make a difference. You could be Otis Campbell or you could be Ernest T. I don't know. I don't know who those or people You could be Floyd the Barber. You Dude. don't know who Ernie's or who Ernest T. Bass is? I do not. It's me. It's me. It's Ernest T. He was crazy. He came out of the woods and he threw rocks through people's windows. Why? To get their attention. He was a wiry little dude. They couldn't keep him in jail. He always got out. I uh, I have to confess my lack of knowledge on the Andy Griffith show. I know Andy and Opie and Barney. Aunt B. And Aunt B. Yeah. And yeah. Gomer. Gomer Pyle. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He was on there. That's all I know, man. It's they could take the most mundane, usual aspect of life and make it hilarious, like deciding what you're going to do on a Sunday afternoon. They would sit on the front porch and go on for five minutes about what do you what do you want to do today? I don't, I don't know what do you want to do, and, and you would just you would die laughing. It was just funny. Legitimately, the only episode that I have ever seen, like from start to finish, that I remember was there was a woman. Uh, in Mayberry that wanted to run oh, yeah. for like city commission. Oh yeah, whatever, yeah. I remember I've seen that five or six times. And and they all and, yeah. and they all like laughed at her or talked yeah. her down yeah. or, or whatever. And which was super ironic, right? Because yeah. my wife yeah. ran, ran for, for and won yes. uh, a seat on the city commission. Yes. So yes, yes, yes. Yeah, she was the druggist. She she ran the drugstore. And uh Andy wound up reversing course and supporting her and she won. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So Hey, that segues right into what we're going to say today. I hope so. <laughs> because he stood up in the podium and he supported her with his words. And the power of his words changed the course of a whole town, the way they voted. And she got in. Anyway, today I um, thought we might talk about the power of words. Um, we've talked a lot about looking for the kingdom of heaven in each other, looking for what God is doing in each other. It's a theme that Wayne has brought up over and over. By the way, he's having chemo today right as we speak. So yes. if you're listening, continue to pray for Wayne. He's yes. in, in Nashville. But anyway, um, the theme that he brings up over and over is that God is at work in everybody all the time, and we look for what God's doing, and we participate in it. So what does that participation look like? And, and I think a, a huge part of that is to call out what we see, to literally verbalize, hey, I see God doing this in you. And and not, not just at a boy or at a girl or I really believe in you or I'm a I'm your cheerleader or whatever. It's not just that. It's that we we really believe in the power of of words. And and uh we were talking before we got on here, JB and I were about just the first thing we ever see of God in Scripture is Him speaking. Uh, we, before we see anything else, he, he starts talking, and when He does, just enormous things happen, at least in that story. And uh, as you go through Scripture, 
the, the old patriarchs in the Old Testament, they would gather their kiddos around their bed before they died or even before then, and, and they would bless them, and the power of their words would shape the life of that person. And, I mean, you, you know, you can go all through Scripture and they talk about the power of words, but specifically, what do we see in each other that that we just carry home in our pocket? We don't, you know, we go home and talk to our spouse. Man, I spent half an hour with so-and-so, and, man, they're so it's so cool to see what's going on in them. Well, did you tell them? Well, well, no. I didn't want to create an awkward moment. I mean, we were eating at, you know, Jimmy John's or something. I didn't want them to break down and cry. That would have been so awkward. Or So we just don't say anything. And shame on us. We don't like shame, but shame on us. I mean, we need to speak those words. Have you ever cried at Jimmy John's? Yes. If, I mean, true uh, Jimmy, but... Uh, Wayne and I always have eaten at Culver's, which I love Culver's French fries. And two old men sitting there crying over. I mean, we've sat there and just bawled like babies. And you just try not to look around. <laughs> you just think, I hope nobody's looking. But we've had, we've had some deep moments there. And part of that, part of the discovery of this is what we did together as we spoke into each other's lives. This, dude, this is what I see in you. And that we've had some really deep moving moments. But I mean you've done that with me, I've done that with you. I mean it's just yeah. Do you have to reach a certain level with somebody before you can do that? Or can you I mean, it seems like if you legitimately see something God is doing in somebody, why not why not say what you see? Because there's there's power in what you say, but that that echoes for a long time in their spirit when they walk away. It, it, they, they don't easily dismiss what you just said to them. So you mentioned doing it with Wayne. I know you do it as a pastor with your with your people that you yeah. uh, that you're with. Yeah. When when have you done it to somebody who like was a stranger or somebody who you didn't know super well? Or how how did that happen? How did it work? I can tell you a little story. Um, we went and got our taxes done. I, I don't know if I've told you this personally this story before, but went and got our taxes done and. Um, did I tell this last week on the on the tubes? I don't remember. I'm old. <laughs> you can edit this part out. My mental fumblings. But you, I didn't tell you this story, did I? I don't think so. Okay, so we went and got our taxes done, and there was this little lady who kind of ran the desk there, and and put you in line to go get your taxes done. And so we we have filled in our we're filling in our papers, and this young Asian guy came in who was pretty hip, you could tell. And he had some parent figures with him. And it was obvious that his pants might not have been pulled up all the way. So she immediately kind of verbally arrested him. You know, like, dude, are your pants, you know, no, man, my pants are, you know. So that was the first we saw of this dialogue between the two of them. And she said, are you here to get your taxes done? He said, no, ma'am, I'm just bringing my aunt and uncle. Um, well, how old are you? Well, I'm just 17. Well, shouldn't you be in school? Well, ma'am, I got kicked out for fighting. Well, can't you go to alternative school? I mean, she was really grilling him. And uh, he was like, no, they won't let me in alternative school. They were going back and forth, back and forth. And so finally she was like, well, well I want to help you. So she started hooking him up on her little nook with um, some sort of 
work thing he could get in on where, where they would give him money to get started. I forget what it was called. But um, as time went on, it was like, well, I don't want to stalk you, and I don't, I don't want to be kind of weird, but could I have your number so I could keep track of you because I want to encourage you. And So it turned from pull your pants up to this, and we went to uh, get our taxes done back in the other room. When we came out, the lobby was empty except for this Asian guy and this little lady. She was like his grandmother's age. And he was eating a bag of chips that she had given him. And they were talking one-on-one. And he had to leave about the same time we did. He stood up and looked at her and he said, said can I give you a hug? Hmm. And I'm like, what? It's, so he, I mean, it was so meaningful to, to watch this, you know, cool guy uh, hugging on this old lady. And so I couldn't help it. I, after he was gone, I said, ma'am, I said, this world is so full of hate. And I said, I see so much love in your heart, and the way you treated him and everything. And I started kind of weeping. And uh, I said, can I give you a hug? So I gave her a hug. And then Ravia wound up giving her a hug. But um, nobody in that lobby will ever forget the words that were exchanged. They won't. That boy won't ever forget the words that were said to him. You don't see that in public places. You don't see that kind of thing go down. And yet it was, and none of it was contrived. Nobody had anything to gain out of it. It was just, here's a troubled teen, and I see more good in him than he sees in him and that he's been told is in him. So I'm going to say something else into his life hmm. other than what he's been fed through the school system or through whatever. It was powerful. And you could tell everybody in the lobby was like, I mean, their hair was blown back a little bit. It was like, whoa, there, something's going on here. So if I told that story before, I apologize. So when has somebody done that for you? Oh, I can't think of any time just recently Uh, in pathway. It's a pretty normal thing. So yeah, it gets spoken a lot there. I can't think of anything specific, but it's, it's fairly, fairly regular because we're so used to awkward. I'm so used to authentic that it just kind of happens. So if somebody is listening and they're like, yeah, I want to be this type of person. I yeah. want to be like this old lady who's sitting at the desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to be able to call out goodness in people. Yeah, yeah. How do you, I know you do that. How do you How do you do that without being um, awkward? How do, you do, yeah. how do you do it without being forward? How do you do it? Yeah. If I can get away with saying the abbreviated version here, you can't BS them. You can't. You can't make something up. If if th- this this session today has comes on the heels of a lot of our other sessions where we say, "How do you get to where you can see God at work in another person?" Yeah, you got to do that homework first. Right, you've got to be able to really see it, and then when you then when you do see it, um, like in Walmart or in a quicksack place, or if somebody is friendly. I will literally get my stuff off the counter and get ready to leave, and I'll turn around and point at them and say, you are good at what you do. Just boom, 
window is pointing at me right now, <laughs> and I am simultaneously blessed and intimidated. <laughs> well, like I went and paid a bill at Spectrum today, and the lady that dealt with me, you could tell it was just the robotic voice that she gave everybody. You know, they had several windows open. People were lining up doing their thing. And and I gathered my stuff, and then I just turned around and looked at her. I said, you have helped me very much, and I hope you get to go out and enjoy this day or whatever. But I I don't know. I, like years ago, I used to tell my son. I mean, he's in his 30s now, but when he was young and we would go into like a place to buy a plumbing part or whatever, um, I, I would always tell jokes or whatever. This was the preliminary of – of where I am now trying to speak good into people, but I'd try to tell a joke or say something funny and get people laughing. And, and I, I would always, I would say, Jake, as we were leaving, I'd say, Jake, you remember that when, when you leave a place, you want to leave it better than what you found it. You know, that you want to, those people to be happy because most customers come in and just poop all over them. So, you know, they, so that was kind of like the beginning of this, but, it it's gone far deeper. I think you I think you also need to really believe in the power of your words. That grace it, grace is unbelievably powerful. So, I mean, I see you do it with your teens, with your students. Do you calculate that or is that just it's just your mojo? No, I th- I think you know, like you said, there is For those of you who don't know, I I really love teenagers and recognize like in, in my own life that I was probably an awkward teenager and it, mm. probably an awkward adult, but, uh, you oh, know, yeah. very, <laughs> very he's, much. He's uh, smooth as silk. Everybody. That is not true. Um, <laughs> he just said, don't BS him. And there, and there <laughs> no, he did. Um, I worked with this guy. All the time. <laughs> um, and I don't, I think as a teenager, it's very difficult to see yourself honestly or to see yourself yeah. authentically, Yeah, you know, because you have all of these hormones going on. You have all of these things changing at an incredibly rapid pace. It's almost and confusing. It's incredibly confusing. Yeah. 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 And so to, to be able to say, um, hey, I, th- I, th- I think God's at work in you. I, th- I think you're really gifted at this. You know, I see the way that. Uh, like you work with these kids, or yeah, yeah. See, see the way that people respond to you. You know, it's yeah. a, it's a big deal. But I mean, I think kind of like you, like for me, repeatedly in Scripture, the the delivery mechanism of grace is yeah. words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like you said, I mean, it's uh, it's it's creation. I mean, life is created by words, and then you have that whole thing like. You know, you, you can't, uh, fresh water and salt water don't come from the same spring. Right, so essentially right, you're right. either speaking life yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or you're speaking death. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think you're right that particularly for teenagers, but I would say everybody now that I think about it, uh, like words have a way of penetrating mm. in, into your heart in, in a way that um, I don't know what else does. If you, if you, if you think about being on some kind of subway and it, and it, well, most subways are smooth, but it gets really bumpy and you're, and it's, you're rocking and rolling and you go through this tunnel and it's dark. You're, you're scrambling for something to hang on to. You want something. So when you speak that into a teenager's, cause that's where they are. They're in a dark tunnel on a really bumpy ride. And to, to speak something into their life says, here's a, here's a handle. It's not the only handle. This is not all of who you are. 
but this is what I see in you. That's that's tremendous. Yeah. It, it's it's empowering and encouraging, but it's also stabilizing and I can make this. I can endure this ride. Yeah. Because I got this one handle because somebody that really matters to me sees this in me and they spoke it and boom. Well, I I think the question that teenagers especially, but maybe everybody, the question they're asking is, you know, who am I? Yeah. And am I good enough? Yes. For whatever. Yeah. And so to be able to say this, this is who I see you as, and you are good enough, I think is incredibly powerful, whether you're a kid or teenager or adult or old, old guy. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do, you mentioned the uh, the teller at Spectrum. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is like at the drive-thru uh, or, you know, when your server comes up to the table is yeah. to, you know, because their first question is like, hi, how's it going? What do you want? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And so what I try to do is is discipline myself to put a, a stake in the ground there and say, how are you today? Like, yeah. How's it going? Yeah. 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 You know, so yeah. which inevitably throws them off yeah yeah you know what i mean like they have yeah. to look up from their pad or uh you know in the yeah. in the drive-thru it's like oh i'm i'm good how's it going you know so yeah 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 and every now and then that will actually start a dialogue that goes places you never dreamed it would go you just yeah you never know people want to be heard but they also want to hear you know yeah they they want to know they matter and they want to know that their voice is heard, but they also want to say, somebody see something in me. Please tell me what you see. Yeah, there's just something about that. And and I think in doing that, like you you are rehumanizing that the person. Do you know what I mean? Like particularly for somebody who mm. is working. Yes, 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 yes. You are by virtue of the things that you say. By virtue of stopping and saying, how are you? Yeah, yeah. There's an element of, like, I see you as more than just a cog in a machine. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I value that. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, so good. But it, it, I think, I mean, our time's getting really close here. But I th- I, instead of starting with, I need to come up with some big, profound statement. It, you could just do the, you're good at what you do. Mm-hmm. Or thank you for taking such good care of me. It didn't go unnoticed. I yeah. noticed. You know. That's so simple. And it's not that's not awkward. Really. Thanks for listening to this episode of On Grace. My name's Jason Brown. I've been hanging out with Wendell Van Valen and we miss our friend Wayne Hunter. The three of us serve together at Broadway United Methodist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky.